I was drinking to blackout and I was doing all these horrible things like losing my job. I didn't remember even being or doing what I was doing for that job. So I was like, okay, get a hold of yourself. My older sister really helped me in that moment. And she was like, I don't like who you are when you drink, you fight with me a lot. And for our relationship, I think if we're going to have one, you have to stop drinking it. Welcome to Plot Twist, the podcast. I'm your host, Miranda Page, a recovering reporter turned podcaster. Who doesn't love a good plot twist? It's what makes a story more exciting. While it's often a tool used by fictional writers, I'm not here to talk fiction. I'm here to talk about real life. Life is full of plot twists. Some are intentional, such as the choice to switch careers, move across the country, or end a relationship. Other times, plot twists can be unintentional, such as finding out a scary diagnosis, getting laid off, or losing a loved one. Throughout this podcast, I'll be sharing these types of stories with you and the lessons we can learn from others' experiences that will inspire us all to live life to the fullest. I'm excited to introduce you to today's guest, Christina Johnson. In 2018, Christina decided to change her relationship with alcohol and has been on a sober journey ever since. Christina also runs an Instagram account called Zero Proof My Sober Journey, where she shares sober tips and zero proof cocktail recipes. I appreciate you being on the podcast today, Christina. Yes, thank you so much for having me. Yeah, and so today we're going to be talking about your sober journey, which is something that I'm really looking forward to talking about because I feel like more and more people are becoming sober curious. And I feel like in society, we're really surrounded by alcohol. Like you go to games and you drink alcohol, or if you're getting together with friends, that's kind of alcohol seems to always be in the mix. So it seems kind of hard to try to avoid alcohol. So I'm just really interested in hearing your journey with all of that. So before we get started with your journey, let's start with where you started. So when did you start drinking alcohol? Um, I feel like I didn't really start until maybe senior year of high school. And then I didn't really drink that much freshman year of college, just getting acclimated. I went up to uh, UNR. I was born in Vegas and I got a scholarship to University of Nevada, Reno. And I lived in the dorms and they were pretty strict on like we had an RA and everything like that, resident assistant. And so I, it wasn't until sophomore year of college that I moved out of the dorms and into college housing with three other friends from high school that I think drinking kind of became a part of everyday life and not just like drinking on the weekends, but like drinking during the week and yeah, theme parties and partying became an, an important thing when I, you know, we all should have been focusing more on school that semester and year, our sophomore year. But um, yeah, I didn't really, I went out in high school and stuff like that, but I my group of friends, we didn't really drink. So it wasn't really until college. I feel like it is the environment you're in as well. Just like in college, that tends to be what a lot of people are doing. So it can be right. easy to kind of get swept up into it. Yeah, definitely. And I definitely put a, um, I don't even know the word to use, but I put this 
I think I watched too many teen movies in high school where I thought you had to, to be cool. You had to like have a drink in your hand and you had to be accepted. You had to do all those things like, you know, smoke weed and drink. And the cool kids I remember in my high school were doing that. Who knows where they are now in their lives. But I feel like um, I put a lot of pressure on myself like, okay, I need to to be a part of the in crowded college and, you know, meet some of these other groups, I need to like drink or take shots or whatever the case may be. Yeah. It's it's kind of a part of being social. It's just like drinking kind of goes hand in hand with being social, unfortunately. I totally agree. Yeah. I think it's getting different a little bit nowadays, but this was back in like 2004. I'm aging myself my freshman year of college. So I think, uh, Back then, it was even worse, and yeah, alcohol was very center-focused at many things. And then from college, what did you do after college? Um, So I left Reno in 2000. After I studied abroad in Spain, I came home back to Vegas, and at that point, I was not in a good like frame of mind and had just been drinking. I drank a lot in Europe when I studied abroad and then I came back and went to Burning Man and I just was like this 23 year old that was very lost. And I'd find out later that the reason I was drinking was a a much deeper rooted, you know, problem of stuff I didn't want to deal with or even know or have the tools to deal with, with childhood trauma. So then I, I, I lived in Vegas and I lived with like my mom and my two siblings and I, my mom was in a three bedroom. My older sister was already um, moved out and living in Denver, actually. And um, so she was just about to move because she was living with my grandma. So I moved in with my grandma. That really helped living with my grandma. She was like my best friend, very close to her. And um, I was bartending. And so I was st- I was around alcohol, but I was still focusing on getting I didn't graduate up at Reno. When I got back, I um, switched my major and my minor so I could take some classes at UNLV because I was behind all my friends that had graduated because I, uh, again, was too focused on partying and let my studies totally go by the wayside. And I was such a good student in high school and freshman. And even that sophomore year when we all lost our scholarships to partying, we all got them back. And then like junior year, I did really well. And then it kind of, it kind of just fluctuated, but I was like determined to finish. So I did, I, I finished um, in 2015 and then I moved to Denver in 2016. So I was in Vegas for a good amount of years from 2009 all the way to t- 2015 and had ups and downs for sure with drinking and being around friends that were drinking. And then the, I had times where I, I was like working out and like very much in a good headspace. So I think it wasn't until I entered therapy that I um, really started to get to the root of the problem of why I was drinking and like what I was hiding behind, which and using alcohol to like self-medicate, basically. What was that moment like when you realized that it was bigger than just drinking, that there was a reason? And it wasn't just one moment. I think there was there was some things that happened that I got, you know, in trouble for my drinking and my actions. And you, you would think that that would like wake me up and it didn't. Um, and so it wasn't probably until I moved to Denver, actually following my three siblings that I started to, to get into a, like therapy and, and 
get with, I don't, I didn't really like the therapist. I, I have a current therapist and she's been probably my best therapist I've ever had. So I I guess I could fast forward to my first time of trying to be completely sober. That was 2018 because I, when I moved to Denver, I was working in sales and that I found out later it was like a multi-level marketing scheme. So I got out of that quickly. And then I was like, well, my backup is always bartending. So I, I worked uh, in uh, a pretty big brewery in, in, in town and they had restaurants too. So I, I worked with them and I, I wanted to get out of bartending. So I knew how to do social media because I worked in social media in magazines in Vegas in like 2012. And I did social media for the oldest um, steakhouse in Las Vegas, the Golden Steer. And I actually took them as a client. I was working like as an independent contractor to Denver. So I was doing social media on the side and I wanted to always get more into that in food and beverage. So I like went to the owner of this brewery and was like, I can do social media for all your um, fooderies. And he gave me a shot. And then after that, I, I, I lost that job to drinking. <laughs> I, oh. Yeah. I, and it was, it wasn't on the job. I was like off and I was with a friend who also worked there with me and I was doing social media and still bartending at their downtown location. And I, we were at the, I fish sushi and some guy said he had a gun and everyone started running and it was the craziest thing ever. And what do we all do to like deal with like our panic and fear? We all drank a lot. Um, a lot of people left the sushi restaurant and left their sake. So because we stayed and paid for our food, the owners of iFish were so, not the owners, but the people working were, were so happy that we stayed and paid for our food because everyone else just fled that they gave us like free sake. So my, the brewery I worked for, the one of the fooders was downtown and me and my friend, got there and we were very drunk. And so I got a talking to the next day. I was only suspended as a bartender, but then my main job, I worked in their corporate offices and the head chef who was a partner fired me. And I was so sad, but I knew like he, I I was like posting drunk to their social media. It was so embarrassing. I look back on that. That was 2017 and I just was in such a bad place. And I think going to a comedy show with my friend where I got so drunk, I was like heckling these two awesome podcasters that I looked up to and getting thrown out of that comedy club. That, that was like the moment where I was like, okay, I need to like really figure out in therapy what's going on. And I can't just have like a drink and have a good time. Like I was drinking to blackout and I was doing all these horrible things like losing my job. I didn't remember even being, or doing what I was doing for that job. So I was like, okay, get a hold of yourself. My older sister really helped me in that moment. And she was like, I don't like who you are when you drink, you fight with me a lot. And for our relationship, I think if we're going to have one, you have to stop drinking. And mind you, she was already like two years sober. So I, in that, in 2018, I, I definitely became sober for myself, but a big part of it was getting sober for my sister. And that, that was great. I, I lasted a year. Um, so 2018 to like October of 2019. So I probably started in that October and that's when I met my now fiance sober. So that there's a lot of good things that came out of being sober for that year. And so to answer your question from the very beginning of this recording, it, it was hard to not drink in the beginning because everything is centered around alcohol. Like even like yoga classes have like 
you go to yoga and then everybody goes and has a beer, which like to me cancels out being healthy and going to yoga. But yeah, I feel like it was kind of challenging, but because I was um, unemployed and looking for a new job, I focused totally on making my resume really great. And it took four months, but I got a really good job working in Boulder for um, the kitchen restaurant group. And that was where I met some amazing women and they helped me in marketing and nobody in that office drank. Like in Boulder, I feel like people more in Boulder don't drink and are, are even healthier than, than Denver, Denverites. Um, and so it was just doing other things. Like I, I never had a problem being around other people, like my friends that were still drinking. That just wasn't an issue, but I always had to have something in my hand. So I always had to have a LaCroix or something in my hand. Cause I would get like social anxiety, or, like a party or whatever. <clears throat> and when I met my now fiance, we were at a f- mutual friend's house. We met through friends and everybody was drinking. He asked me to yoga for my, for our, for our first hangout. And I didn't know it was a date, but like we didn't drink after. And on our second, no, our third date, because I think our second date we went to the movies, but our third date, he met me at Dio Mio and he had a Negroni and he's like, can I get you a drink when I got there? I was like, oh, like a, I'll have like a ginger beer. He's like, oh, like a Moscow mule. I'm like, <laughs> no, I was like, no, just a ginger beer. I don't drink. And his reaction was, um, oh, that's cool. Cause basically alcohol is poison we put in our bodies. And I was like, oh, thank God. Yes, it is. And thank God that that's your reaction. And so I stayed sober. Um, I had already been sober like 10 months before I met him. And then like two months into our relationship, the restaurant group I was working for, we went to the kitchen in downtown and they were excited to see me there and brought over like complimentary glasses of champagne because they didn't know I didn't drink um, in the restaurants because I worked in corporate. And then I felt like, I felt like this weird, like, oh my God, I have to drink it because then if they don't see me drink it, then they're going to ask questions and I don't want to have to answer the questions. And so I, I drank that glass and it felt like I threw away like a year of being sober. But then we went to a, a concert after it and I got a soda water. So I was like, how hard can you be on yourself for like, you know, a slip up or yeah. is anybody's sober journey, you know, the same as somebody else's? No. Uh, but then in April of 2019, I lost my grandma the one I was living with in Vegas and was really close to. Oh, I'm so sorry to hear that. Thank you. Yeah, she was great, but I didn't know how to, I didn't know how to handle it. So again, I went back to that like self-medicating and I started drinking pretty heavily to the point I almost lost my now fiance. And it took like two months to hit kind of like rock bottom in like my relationship and just know that like in therapy, like how is this helping you drinking to like with your grief, like seeing a grief counselor too. And so then I picked back up not drinking again after, after that. And then it was, it was kind of nice to see other friends around me being so sober curious. So they started asking me questions and what I did. And I was like, you have to exercise and you have to go to therapy and you have to like figure out the root problem of why you are self-medicating and drinking because some people can just handle having like one drink and like, or two, and then being like, I'm good. And other people can not, and they keep going and it could be like nerves, anxiety, the self-medicating. But I I think there's a lot of different reasons behind it. I knew what mine was and I worked on like my trauma as a kid because my siblings and I just went through kind of a hard 
childhood with my stepdad, like with abuse and stuff. And so I really got to the bottom of that in therapy and talking to my older sister, the one who's, I think she's like six or seven years sober now. She's also, she's a therapist now too. And I, I told her, and I knew that when I got sober back in 2018, I was doing a lot of that for her and our relationship. And I wasn't doing it for myself. So after losing my grandma, I think, and finally having that wake up call of like, okay, alcohol is not going to solve my problems and alcohol is not like, I can't handle it. <laughs> like Finally, like saying I have a problem, the whole like, oh, are you an alcoholic? No, I don't think I ever was an alcoholic. I think I um, had a problem with alcohol. Uh, I In Vegas, I did go to like AA, not for me, works on some people. That's great. But I went the other route of like other sources, like my sister who's sober, reading books. Um, I have a lot of great like sober like resources I could share. But to me, an alcoholic is someone who like can't function without alcohol. And I, I could, I just, when like times were tough or if I was trying to deal with something I didn't want to deal with, that's when I would drink. So again, everybody's different than the next person. And so I feel like where I'm at now, I don't drink and I have a lot of friends who don't drink. It's really cool. Like I have a friend who I think is, I think she's going on two years and I think she has her date. And like my sister, who's, I think, I think just turned six or seven years, she has her date and the date always put a lot of pressure on me, but then I would feel like I was letting myself down. Like that time I drank, you know, the Prosecco, the champagne. So I think giving yourself a date and changing your people, places and things is really important. I think it is important who you surround yourself around. And that's something I think people get nervous about because they're just around people where maybe that's what you do is you go out drinking with your friends on the weekend. And once you decide to go down a different road, there's that fear that maybe you'll lose some of those friends. Is that a fear you had? Did that happen? Yeah. So I think say I would have been sober in Vegas with those friends. And I did have a point where I was like really healthy and not going out to the clubs or whatever. I was never a big club person in Vegas, but I did work at bars on the strip and stuff. So we would all go out after. And I had like a little family of friends that worked with me. And yeah, I, <clears throat> I would have lost some of them for sure as friends. Here in Colorado, in Denver, no. I think um, a lot of those friends look to me for, to ask questions. And my friend I was talking about, who's like going on, I think two years now, she, I think like beer never agreed with her stomach and she didn't like who she was when she drank too. And so then like meeting those groups of friends, like other groups of friends that were friends of friends, they would be like, oh, you don't drink. And they would have those sober, curious questions for me. And then I'd be like holding like a athletic brew, non-alcoholic beer. And they're like, can I try that? Is it good? Like, does it taste even like beer? Because being a bartender for so long and actually liking the taste of alcohol, some people just drink because they want to get that feeling of like being buzzed. Uh, but they don't really like the taste of alcohol. Other people really actually do like the taste of alcohol. And I was I was that percentage that I enjoyed. Like, And I knew a lot about wine at working in food and beverage for so long. Like, I knew what Cabernet to pair with my steak. And like, sometimes I miss stuff like that. But then I think about the hangover and the headache. After 30, you your hangovers last like three more days longer than they used to. That's the kind of stuff that like I don't miss but I feel like the group of people I have close to me and like are going to be in my wedding in October and like are close friends of mine. A lot of them 
all of them are supportive of, you know, me not drinking and some of them do it with me. So yeah, and that's actually another reason I really wanted to talk to you is because that's something I'm thinking of doing is living a sober life. And it's something I've been curious about because I don't like the way I feel after drinking. I feel like the next day is just a complete waste because I have to just like I feel sick the next day. And I'm And so I'm just tired of like having those days wasted after drinking and I just don't like how I feel like afterwards. So I'm just very curious about all of it because I feel like it would be very hard. Like you said, when the you were at the restaurant and they just gave you the champagne because people I think people just assume everyone drinks. Yeah, exactly. So that's I think the hardest part for me is just it's everywhere. So how do you deal with with it, with being around it and being able to say no. Yeah. Being prepared. So like knowing what you're getting into, if you're going to like a house party, bringing your own six pack of like LaCroix or that non-alcoholic beer or wine, non-alcoholic wine or whatever you want to bring. If you're like me and like feel anxiety of not holding a drink and then just like, yeah, knowing your surroundings and like knowing you can have like an exit if you feel uncomfortable um, going with somebody who like knows what you're going through and that you don't want to feel pressure to drink. And because what's crazy about our society is like, if you say, Oh no, sir, I don't drink immediately. That person thinks that there's something wrong with you (laughs) instead of the other way around, because a lot of people that have a drinking problem themselves are projecting onto you. Like I've had people in Denver um, and in Vegas that are like, Oh, she doesn't drink. She, she must have a problem. We'll like talk behind your back when in actuality, that person's the one that's getting drunk on the weekend and like having hangovers and complaining about it. I feel like those people aren't the people you want in your support, like system and circle. Had I known that like, it's not a big deal to just say like, Oh, I don't drink a lot of people. Like now I feel like are like, Oh, that's so cool. At least it's kind of turning that way. There's still the people that are like, why? Like, what's wrong with you? Um, is it court ordered? <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. So if I would have known what I know now, like when that bar manager came so nicely to bring, you know, the free champagne to say hi and thanks for coming in to eat. All I had to say right then is like, oh, thanks. But I don't drink. He does. My boyfriend now, fiance at the time, he can have that, but you can you can take the other one back. He probably never would have even thought twice about it, um, especially he knew all our corporate office and how many people didn't drink. And like, not that I, that that even matters, but I put too much pressure and I always have on what other people think. So that's something that you just have to uh, not worry about. It's like, yeah. this is your this is your own journey. You're doing it because you're sober curious. Um there's a lot of cool books. Like there's one from Holly Whitaker called quit like a woman. And it's like how to navigate through a world that revolves around drinking basically. And she just explains like in one of the chapters, she's like drinking alcohol is like compared to like drinking jet fuel. Like it, it's actually like poison and just all the benefits of like when I stopped drinking in 2018 and I did it for such a long period of time over that year and I was exercising and taking good care of myself like I lost so much weight, my skin cleared up. Like there's so many benefits, not feeling hungover on the weekends. Like you said, I was the same way. Like if I went out hard Friday night, my entire Saturday was shot and maybe Sunday too, because I felt so sick. And so, yeah, I feel like if you're wanting to go on this sober journey, there's a lot of cool books and just 
um, resources that you can use, but going into those social situations, just being prepared and having something like, you know, your LaCroix or something that you can have. My friend got married in 2018 and her, one of her, our friends, Liam, he used to drink and party and stuff. And then he like told us all, um, at the wedding, like, cause he showed up with like a 12 pack of LaCroix and he's like, I don't drink anymore. You know, I'm sober. I don't drink anymore, but I still always have to have something. So in my truck, I always have like, he showed us like all the cases of LaCroix in his truck and we're like, Hey, you're always prepared. Yeah. I think that's such a good idea. Cause I went out the other weekend to a bar with friends and it was the first time where I told myself, I'm not going to drink. Like we're, we're going to do this sober. And I was so proud of myself because I did it and I ended up just getting mocktails. So that way I was still like drinking something with everybody, but I didn't have alcohol. So that made it, I think, a lot easier having something still. Totally. I think a lot of the restaurants and um, places that you like events, they do NA. It's starting to be so much better with zero proof and uh, mocktails. When I started all of this um, again after my grandma died, and I think it's been at least six months since I've had my zero proof, uh, my sober journey page, like it basically, I, I just wanted it to be a page about making mocktails because I bartended for so long and it kind of turned more into like my, me being vulnerable and telling my story. I mean, I've, I know you've seen it. So you've seen the, the, the pictures of me like, I got drunk after a concert and fell flat on my face and I am unrecognizable in that photo. And I had some people reach out to me like, wow, you're really brave that you put that out there. Like, are you scared your boss is going to see it? And I'm like, nope. Like, uh, I love my bosses and they are like, I was on another podcast and my my boss, Gary, listened to it and he's like, I cheered up. He's like, I'm so proud Aww. of you. So it's really nice to have like just such a cool support system, but yeah, my zero proof sober, my sober journey page. Like I, I am so glad that there's all these companies that are doing mocktail stuff like Seedlip and Blake Lively is sober. So she has Betty Buzz, which I used in a mocktail I put on that page. And Katy Perry has a sober DeSoy is hers. Oh, I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah. It's getting, it's getting so much more you know, trendy and popular yeah. to be, to be sober, which I'm like, bring it on. Like what, yeah, a, great, awesome. what a great, great trend. Yeah. There used to be an awesome bar in Jefferson park called awake. That was a sober bar and the owners just sold it. And I'm so bummed. I, I hope whoever, I hope whoever buys it keeps it as a sober bar and, and coffee shop, but stuff like that is really important. I think to just have spaces where people that are all sober can like hang out and feel safe and meet other sober people because I think that's like for dating and stuff. If you're like dating and you, I was so scared when uh, Luke had that, my fiance had that Negroni and I was like, I don't drink. And he could have been like, oh, this girl's lame or, you know, and in which case I went like, thank God that, and you know, kick rocks. I'm glad I'm not with you, but he was accepting of it. And um, like his whole family is. And yeah, so it's interesting how the trend is turning to uh, more sober people and sober friendly places and mocktails and all that good stuff. Yeah. I loved looking through your Instagram because like you mentioned, you liked the taste of alcohol and I like the taste as well, especially with wine. Like I love pairing wine with different food and stuff. So I think that's the hardest part for me is especially giving up that wine. So I think that's 
where I'm at where it's like I've kind of given up everything else but that wine I'm still struggling with. So at that Sober Bar Awake, they had an amazing wine from Napa Valley. And I think you can just get it online since they're not there anymore. It's called Luminara. And they have a Cabernet and I think a Chardonnay. And it's crazy how much it tastes like wine. It's called alcohol removed wine. So they make the wine with the grapes the same way at the winery that they that they make a regular wine, but they have some type of chemistry or science that after the wine is made takes out the alcohol. I how do interesting. not do not know how that works. I would love to see the science behind that. Yeah. But because my friend and I, the one that's like hitting her two years sobriety, we were at that bar together. We were like alcohol-free wine isn't that just grape juice (laughs) (laughs) yeah (laughs) we're like is this gonna taste so bad but we tried it and it was great and then there's another brand that's always at like argonaut and molly's and all those other um applejack and that one's called ariel and that one's pretty good i find that if i put the red the cabernet in the fridge it tastes better than if you if it's just out Test. I'm sure that has to do something with the fact that it doesn't have alcohol in it. Yeah. But their the Ariel Chardonnay is cold is so good. Yeah, I miss I I miss the taste of like a good wine. But man, I remember being wine hungover, and that was like a so different type of hungover than it's worse. I feel uh, like it's way worse than beer or even, shots are the worst for sure. But like, mm-hmm. yeah, it's a different type of like loopy, tired, like awful feeling. Yeah. And then you said your fiance still drinks. So is that hard being around like him and others that drink or how do you guys navigate that we've had discussions it's more about what's in our house so like I think to please him and because he loves how so he loves that I am good at making cocktails for him uh we had like a whole bar set up on our counter and it had like his friends have got him over the years like McCollin and um like he likes scotch and scotches and whiskeys so I had a whole bar set up and then I was like when I struggled through my sober journey and I would just like walk by the kitchen every day and see that whole bar, I was like, okay, I don't want all this alcohol out on our counter anymore. I kind of feel like a hypocrite. Um, not that I'm drinking it, but I've told others to change their people, places and things. And here's just like, every time I walk by, there's alcohol. So I got home from work one day and he had moved it all into cabinets and made it like a coffee bar, which was really like supportive and nice. If there's some beers in the fridge, um, Right next to his beers are my non-alcoholic ones, so it doesn't really bother me. But um, he drinks way less than when I met him, uh, and I think that is really cool because it's for his own health, and he hates being hungover as well. He's also three years younger than me too, so I think it's nice that he's like willing to to be my supportive partner in all that. And like my my older sister, her husband, I think he's like going on two years sober. And it's just like, I think of our future, Luke and I, and like raising kids and stuff. And it would be nice if like we both weren't drinking, but I would never ask him. He's never had a problem with it. Like, yeah, there's times that I've seen him pretty hungover and drunk and like we lose our whole Sunday and I'd be, I would be mad at him because I'm not drinking and we've worked on stuff like that. But, um, I would never ask him to stop drinking like for me, you know what I mean? It, that would, that would have to be his own decision. Cause I knew when I did it mostly for my sister, it, I, it didn't really stick cause I was doing it for somebody else. You have to, you have to want to change for yourself and do something to better yourself, yourself. <laughs> yeah. I think that does help to kind of change your environment. Cause for me, if there's alcohol in the house, I'm going to drink it. Unfortunately, like I just know that's 
how I am. So yeah. if I don't have it, then I'm usually good. So I just make sure that we we don't have it in the house. And yeah. if I do feel like a glass of wine, like I buy like the small bottles. That way I yeah. know like that's as much Two as glasses. I get. Yeah. yeah. So it's like I know I'm just drinking this much. I'm not going to overdrink because there's not more in the house for me to overdrink. So totally. that's kind of what it, I've been doing. And it, yeah, that's great. Out of sight, out of mind. It's like and it, and they make it so easy these days these days with Drizzly and a lot of those big alcohol um, companies deliver at like GoPuff like you mm-hmm. can like it it makes it tough so it's good that you know your limits and that you know if it's gonna be in the house I think maybe in the very beginning after my grandma died and if there was liquor in the house. Um, Luckily, at that time, I lived alone. Not, not luckily, but at that time, I didn't live with Luke yet. So I would just make sure I didn't have any. And then if I would go over to his house, like I, I could, that's not my fridge. I'm not going to like drink something that's not mine. But yeah, I totally understand what you're saying. And it's better out of sight, out of mind to, to just, you know, your limits to if it's in the house, I probably will drink it. So, and I think that's a great idea too, on cutting back and getting, those cute little small bottles that are one big bottle of wine's four glasses. So I'd imagine that one's like one and a half to two. So that's yeah. great. That's great. But yeah, there's, if you're, if you have more questions on being sober, curious, sober girls guide. So sober girls society, they have a sober like guide and I'm reading that now and I really like it. And then that Holly Whitaker book I said, Hers, that was like, they even brought that up in the new Sex in the City, like franchise and just like that. Cause like Miranda had a problem with drinking and. Oh yeah. I do remember she, that. Yeah. She like, she like drunk Amazon herself that book. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I was like, why would Charlotte send this to me? And then she got the receipt and was like, how did you like your order of quit like a woman? And she's like, great. What else did I drunk, <laughs> drunk by, you know? I have friends that are like, oh my God, I just spent so much money shopping because I was drunk and I don't even remember what I bought. Like you can get yourself in trouble with drinking in so many different ways. <laughs> yeah. That's why I think I just don't even want to do it anymore. And like you said, it's poison. So I've gotten to the point where I really want to be healthy. I've started going to the gym. So why yeah. would I do that to myself? And it's like so high in calories. We kind of forget that those are like empty calories. Totally. And I have a problem myself that I'm still working on with like if my uh, fiance has like, I, I used to love IPAs. I mean, I worked at like a brewery too. And if he gets like, if we're out somewhere and I have like my non-alcoholic beer, but he got an IPA, I'll be like, can I have a sip? Can I try it? And he'll be like, yeah, here. But like, I need to even stop doing that. Like, it's so much better to just like really not have a sip. Cause then you can pick your date and do all that. I think if I were to look back, cause I have like a tracker. And then if I like mess up, I, punish myself, I guess, if you will, and go right back to that counter down to day one again, which is where like the the pressure came on a lot. But like I was out for my soon to be sister-in-law's 30th in Nashville. And there was a girl there that I um, is friends with her. And like, I'm friends with her too, but I didn't realize she followed my sober like journey page and everyone was drinking. And I was like, okay, I'll take a shot with all you guys. And then we all got kind of tipsy Cause I had a, I think I had like a vodka soda after that. And I was like, well, I guess I'm in my head. I was like, I'm going to put the counter back and I guess I'm starting over. And she pulled me aside and she's like, what are you doing? And I like got defensive and we ended up talking the next day. And she's like, well, I just didn't understand. Cause I thought, you know, you, you were like explaining your sober journey. And I was like, you're right. So I felt like such a hypocrite in that moment. So I feel like it is, it is good to hold yourself accountable 
and even like me, like wanting a like what what is a sip of my fiance's like IPA gonna do for me? Nothing. <laughs> like, yeah, it's not it's not worth it. So holding myself accountable because nobody's sober journey is linear. Like that's such a big deal. And then there's like those people that say I'm sober, but they still like smoke weed. That's like okay. You can be sober from everything or you can say like, I'm sober from drinking. I don't drink. So I feel because I call it like California sober if you smoke weed, but don't drink like. Oh, interesting. (laughs) Yeah. I found that out on like Vanderpump Rules, I think, because one of the characters was like still smoking weed, but had stopped quitting like or had quit alcohol. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. And like. I don't know. I, I, that's like a debate I could probably talk about for hours about, okay, are you sober if you're doing other stuff or are you, do you just not drink and you call yeah. it, you just call it that. So it's interesting. And there's so many podcasts that talk about it too. Like I know that sober girls guide, they have a podcast, um, athletic brewing that, that beer that's awesome that I think tastes the best of all the non-alcoholic beers out there. They have a podcast and they like bring people on and talk about their stories and oh, why cool. they why they quit drinking. And a lot of them are like athletes. I think that's why they called it athletic brew. Oh. Um, it's like drinking the great taste without the compromise, I think is their tagline. So it, I've like definitely made myself curious myself and trying to find like Alan Carr's how to handle alcohol. That one's like really good. I think some AA people even use that one in their journeys. And I'm definitely not, yeah, again, with AA, like that is totally cool. I had a bad experience in Vegas where I went to like a co-ed one and some guy like hit on me and I was like, I'm never going to AA again. (laughs) And then I went to like the all women's one because I tried to give it another try. And like, they just kept talking about like the good old days when they would get high. And I was like, yeah, I can't do this. I can't do this. I was like, I can't, I can't do AA. So, um, and they put a lot of religion into it and I'm like more spiritual than religious. So I think you have to have a lot of will power and you have to put a lot of confidence in yourself and you have to hold yourself accountable and you have to be prepared. Like I said, with bringing, you know, your LaCroix or your drinks or whatever. And it's nice to have a good support system too. Cause you know, those friends that like want to go out to get like messed up. Yeah. Those probably aren't the people you want (laughs) to be uh, helping you on your, on your journey. Cause they, not that they wouldn't be supportive, but there are some friends that I even found in Denver that was that were like, oh, you're like lame now. And I'm like, Aww. that's not who I want around me. So yeah, well, and that's the thing. Like, it's kind of sad because you're like, oh, but these were my friends. But do you really want to be around people who aren't going to support you? So in a way, it yeah. kind of helps you kind of weed out like the people who oh, shouldn't sure. be in your life. Yeah, it's funny. I was at that wedding of my like best friends in Tahoe in 2018. And I was sober at her wedding. That was like, during my year of being sober. And it was like right before I met Luke, because that's how we met from a mutual friend. We were he was a groomsman, I was a bridesmaid, and he introduced me to Luke. (laughs) And um I posted a video of me dancing and I was like, fun fact, I was sober at this wedding. And like someone that was there at that wedding was like, I don't remember you being sober. And I was like, here we go. I'm like, I don't need like, okay, you probably don't remember because you might have been a little drunk, which is fine. Everybody was having fun. But like when people question your sobriety, like I could get defensive sometimes, like even when she was like, what are you doing when I was drinking? I was mm-hmm. like, wait, but yeah, I think um, there's so many good apps like Sober Buddy is a really cool app. Sunnyside is another good app. Uh, Lucid is one. Um, a lot of them will give you a free trial and then they'll start charging you. 
Um, I think it's worth it on on some uh, um, more than others. There are some free ones too, though, and it's mainly mainly used mostly for your like um, tracker. So you can say, okay, this is my sober date. But yeah, there's a lot of cool apps. I love the Sober Buddy because it gives you like I still get their I disconnected from them because they got expensive, but they still sent me, um, I still, I'm on their email list. So they send really cool things like do this today to check in, or like, it's like stuff to help with your sober journey, which I really liked, uh, on that app. And then, uh, Sunnyside would like text you. And it was like a, a live person, like checking oh, in, like, cool. Hey, like, Hey, how are you doing? And that, like, you can imagine that that gets expensive too, because it's, yeah. it's an actual person. But it's like, what are you investing? You're investing in your health and your and your sobriety and your journey. So I feel like it's worth it uh, in the in the beginning for sure. Yeah, I didn't realize there were so many resources out there. So that Mm -hmm. that's good to hear because it it can be really hard and it could feel like you're alone in the process, especially when others aren't going through it. So it helps to hear like we're not alone in this if we're trying to go down a sober journey. Oh, not at all. Yeah, I think. a lot more people than we think are are thinking the same thing as you. The podcast I did, Real Life Unpacked, uh, one of the hosts was like, I'm really curious and so yeah. interested in your story because I, I want to do the same. Yeah. So I think it's great that more people are jumping on this trend. It's a good trend. It's a great trend to jump on. Yeah. Something that's actually positive for once. <laughs> totally. And then I wanted to talk a little more because you said that therapy really helped you. And I think Mm -hmm. that there's still kind of people who are afraid to go into therapy or they have misconceptions about what therapy is, if you can kind of talk a little bit about that. Because I I think everybody should be in therapy. I think that it's an amazing tool because sometimes it just helps to talk to someone about what's going on in your life. There's totally still a little bit of a stigma, I think, with therapy, like the same as alcohol. Oh, you don't drink. What's wrong with you? Oh, you go to therapy. What's wrong with you? Same thing. Yeah, I I think finding my therapist in the right fit, like sometimes I would just like go on um, like whatever was took my health insurance, for example. Um, I found my therapist I have now, I want to say during COVID, which COVID was such a hard time for all of us that we all should have been in therapy during COVID, in my opinion. Um, But I think I got down and I'm still, it's a, it's a, you know, like weekly, I I go bi-weekly actually in the beginning I was going weekly, but it's still a weekly like challenge to um, really dig deep on the trauma that I dealt with as a kid. And like, we all, not everybody dealt with trauma, but there's others, maybe relationship, like a bad relationship or something like that. So getting to the root of like why you're blacking out or like why you're self-medicating with alcohol with your therapist is probably the first step. Um, yeah, I think, uh, I think therapy is really important for, for everybody. And some people like, it's not, some people it's not for them and that's okay. Some people don't like to talk about their feelings and <laughs> men, <laughs> but <laughs> Um, I feel like I know a lot of guys, I have a lot of guy friends that are in therapy and I've even suggested therapy to some of my guy friends. Um, some took my advice, some didn't, which is fine. But I think, yeah, having therapy as one of your resources to help with your sober journey is I think essential for sure. Cause I, like I told my therapist, my background, um, and my childhood and she's like, of course you drink. <laughs> she's like, no wonder you drink. And she's like, we just have to, you know, really work on 
when you are feeling these feelings, like what other things can you do to not, instead of self-medicating? And that was talking about it and getting down to the hurt. A lot of people don't want to do that. So, and I understand, but that's kind of the work that they call it the work. And that if you want to like get to the other side and start living like your best life, which sounds so corny, but like really, like really actually living a really good life and, and dealing with all your trauma, I think talking to a licensed, you know, therapist and don't use your friends as your therapist. Like everybody has their own problems and like you want to vent to your friends about things, but they don't have the tools and, and the schooling to really be able to help you like a, like a therapist can. So therapists are great. And I don't, and I, a lot of people say I can't afford it. My therapist, but like my therapist was so awesome. She, I was on a sliding scale for like most of COVID like because I, and she didn't even take insurance. Like I found her and I, she's like, oh, I don't take insurance. So I was like, oh, should I go to the other one? But I didn't like her as much. And then she's like, no, we can work with something. They're, they're very understanding people. Obviously they're therapists. Yeah. So I feel like, I don't feel like finances should ever be a, an, an excuse. Like, oh, I can't afford therapy so many places take Medicaid, like you, you can afford to do the work. Yeah. I think even just trying it just to see, and what I've heard is sometimes it takes a couple tries to find the right Mm -hmm. therapist for you. Yes. Oh yeah. And I was like interviewing therapists. Like I went to an older one and she right off the bat was like, you're an alcoholic. And I was like, okay, (laughs) like, I don't know if I want to work with you. And then I found the one I'm with now. And it's not like she was telling me what I wanted to hear. I did appreciate the other therapist's, you know, comments. I think in one session, she thought she knew me, which kind of like that was, I didn't like that. I'm like, I haven't even really got to like the the base of my trauma yet. And you're already saying from just a few things I've told you about my drinking habits that I'm an alcoholic, which didn't seem fair. So I was like, I think it's very important to like interview therapists, like, they're there for you. You're paying them. You should definitely yeah, go through a few before before you find your right fit. And obviously mine, she is my right fit because now I've been seeing her going on three years and have never been doing better than before when I was not seeing her. So, Oh, that's awesome. And so besides going to therapy, what are some other things that you do to help deal with uh, the trauma without drinking? I think hanging out with friends that are supportive definitely and aren't like judgmental and are open to hearing, you know, your story and like understanding that you don't want to go to that concert or like that party or whatever it is because you just aren't ready yet and everyone's going to be drinking. Exercise. I have the mirror at home, like the Lululemon studio, like mirror that everybody got during COVID when everyone's working out from home. Oh yeah. Those are so cool. I've always been curious about that. It looks like fun. Yeah. I love, love it. So I use that at least four times a week when it's warmer out. I will like, I am a big runner in 2018 when I was first becoming fully sober for that year, I ran all the time because I lived right by Cheeseman Park. So that really helped. Journaling is a big one. It's like self-therapy. I feel like, like when you journal, Um, there's meditation apps. Cause like meditating is like the hardest thing for me ever. So I wish I could say I did it as much as I would like to, but I need like an app to help me. So like insight timer is a really good, um, app for that and meditating, uh, reading more books. Like I'm such a TV person. Like I think just in this podcast, I've named like a lot of (laughs) pop culture things. Cause I love 
TV, but um, I'm start like reading more books. Um, and a lot of the ones I was telling you about that, um, if you want a link, I can give you the actual. Oh yeah, I would love to like <laughs> yeah. link all of these resources because you've given a lot of great resources. Yeah, so just um, like reading, uh, like kind of self help books, and especially to do with drinking, and then fun books too. Like I'm reading Prince Harry's Spare right now. Like that's <laughs> that's like for fun. And just do it like having plans with like my significant other and like camping and doing outdoorsy stuff. Like I just got back from the mountains because he's part of a ski share house. So like getting out in nature and getting away from the city is nice. And I feel like that's like, yeah, support system, exercising, therapy, you know, eating right. And just, yeah, being around good people that support you is probably the biggest besides therapy. Yeah, I've noticed that since I've started to work out more this year, the feeling I get after working out is better than the feeling I would get from getting from drunk. Buzzed or drunk, yeah. exactly. Yeah. It's like your your brain releases serotonin, I think, when you're working out, and it's something different with drinking. And also, drinking is a, um, a downer. It's a depressant. So like, I feel like just knowing that, like knowing that you're putting a depressant and downer into your body. Like, how do you think you're going to feel after? Whereas working out is up like an upper and endorphin. It gives you endorphins to like be happy. So yeah, I feel like that is totally uh, better than that buzz feeling for sure. Yeah. I feel like, I don't know if this happens to a lot of people, but I've just noticed like if I drink a lot, I'll just start crying. Like yes. that's just what happens to me. So that makes sense. But like when I work yeah. out, I'm so happy. So it's like, why am I putting myself through like Oh, me and me and my siblings, like when we were all drinking and none of us were really on our sober journeys yet, like we would just all like drink and just like cry about like like bad stuff that happened when we were kids. And it was like a, like a sad therapy kind of drinking circle we like laugh about it now we're like remember when we used to do that (laughs) but like it's probably cathartic honestly in the moment but and like being there all as kids and growing up together but yeah like my sister's a mom and like seeing her is like such a good like mom being sober for six years with my niece and nephew like so cool um just to see like how far she's come and I think she's proud of me for how far I've come even with my bumps along the road, I feel like her sober journey was pretty linear and she's never had a hiccup and we're not all like that. So, like, oh yeah. A lot of journeys, it's never usually like a straight line. Like yeah. it's going to be like climbing mountains and totally. hills and. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, like I just, I'm so proud of like my friends that are asking questions or the ones that are sober, like going on two years and um proud of you for asking about um different things and being sober curious like i think your life will just be so much better like without that hungover feeling and losing your good weekends and yeah and i'm definitely going to try like the different drinks that you mentioned like oh, yeah. the, i'll try the wine one cuz that's the hard part is just the wine but yeah I, and the i cool, think i could do it <laughs> the cool thing with the mocktails too so like seed lip I have like a seed lip mocktail, like cocktail book on Betty Buzz, which is Blake Lively's. Like she gives a whole bunch of different, she gives for the ones that you can add alcohol to, or you just take the alcohol out and then that's your mocktail. 
Um, I know Katy Perry's DeSoy. She has a bunch of uh, different like mocktails. So even if you weren't a bartender, like it's easy to make like really delicious. Cause like when you go out to dinner and like everyone's getting like a fancy, pretty cocktail and you're yeah. like, I feel so left out. We were in Breckenridge actually. And I like was, we were at this um, like sushi place and my friend and I aren't drinking. And I was like, what are you going to get? They don't have Heineken zero. Like they have nothing. And then I saw on their cocktails, uh, mojito. And I was like, Oh, we can do, we can do virgin mojitos and that's fun and has the mint and yeah, feel, feel like we're like everybody else was getting sake. So I was like, okay, this is, <laughs> I feel like a part of, you know, the table. Yeah. Cause that is that FOMO feeling is real. <laughs> I know that's the part where I'm like, I just need to get over, I guess the FOMO, but then also having different drinks or knowing I can get like something that's has no alcohol, like you said, the mojito or something like that. Yeah. It's always, um, if you can, and you know, you're going to go somewhere for dinner with like a group of friends, look at the menu online Mm -hmm. beforehand to see if they even offer mocktails. Sometimes it sucks, but you are like, you know what? I don't want to be put in this position. Everyone's going to be doing shots. I'm just not going to go. Sometimes you have to make that decision to not go, which is hard, but I've done it. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you sharing like your whole journey with Life me. Story. Yeah. No, I, I appreciate it. I think it'll help a lot of people. You've given a lot of great resources. And then I always end my interviews by asking what your favorite quote is, just because I love quotes oh, yeah. and I, I just love like it's something that I helps me when I'm like feeling stressed to have these quotes that I live by. Yeah. This one is like, it's uh, like tale as old as time. It's it's so old and it's, and people don't um, like people take it for granted. And I think in a sober journey, it's important. So my quote is treat others the way you would like to be treated. So this goes very hand in hand with being sober, like treat those people how you would like to be treated if you were on that journey and like, don't be so judgmental and be more supportive and yeah, treat them how you would like to be treated in that same scenario. Yeah, I love I love that because, yeah, that's the thing. I'm afraid people are going to be judgmental, which I just have to kind of get over that because there will be judgmental people, but it helps to have those people who aren't judging you for not drinking. Mm-hmm. Like when I went out with my friends last weekend, there's um one of my friends, like I know he just doesn't drink, so it kind of helps because I would mm-hmm. ask him like, oh, what are you getting? And he's like, oh, I'm getting a Shirley Temple, but without the alcohol in it. I'm like, oh, cool. So that kind of helped yeah. to have someone else that was like super supportive and kind of going through it too. And everyone was knows he doesn't drink and they're super supportive of him. So I think yeah. that helped as well, knowing that. That's great. Yeah. I feel like um, having the all like having that support group for sure. Or you could be the trendsetter in your group too, and yeah. be the first, and then watch how many other friends follow and are like, "I kind of want to do this too. <laughs> I want to kind of keep just not. Uh, I want to continue. Um, what do they call it? Dry January and just uh-huh. keep going. Yeah, that's kind of that's what I did in 2018. I started off with Dry January and then I just went all the way to sober October and and on so yeah that's yeah. awesome though because I, I did try dry January and then I was like keeping track every time I had alcohol this year I'm like oh I've had it like nine times this year but totally. yeah so I'm trying to keep track and just yeah just cut down and and stop completely I think what happened with me was I did wine miss so I don't know if you saw at Costco they have like the wine advent calendar so like every day for like 24 days you open like a bottle of wine like a half bottle so it equals like maybe three or four glasses but I did that for 24 days straight 
and yeah, so you by, like your wine. <laughs> yeah. But by the end of it, I think that's what really has triggered me wanting to stop drinking too because I felt mm-hmm. like for the whole month of December, I was just in a fog the whole to- time. Totally. Yeah. I Costco's smart. <laughs> I know they are. It got December, to me. like that's a good gift. Like for mm-hmm. – yeah, it's – that's so funny. Yeah. Well, and now in Colorado, they just passed a law where grocery stores can start selling wine. Oh, really? So when I was at the grocery store the other day, I saw wine. I'm like, oh, it was so easy because you have mm-hmm. to like go to a liquor store to get wine. But now it's like totally. right in my face. <laughs> yeah. Being from Vegas, born and raised like that. Yeah. It, it was everywhere. Like yeah. it was – You we didn't have that law of like the 3% over in, for beer either. Like you could – you can get like good – craft beer and like alcohol anywhere in Vegas. Like, yeah, Vegas is a tough place to try and be sober. That's for sure. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Christina, for yeah, sharing your story, for being vulnerable. I know it's not always the easiest to talk about, but it definitely will help people. So I appreciate it. Thanks, Miranda. Thanks so much for having me. If you'd like to check out Christina's Instagram, Zero Proof My Sober Journey, I'll have a link in the show notes, along with links to some of the resources she mentioned, like podcasts, books, and drinks. To hear more about Christina's story, you can head to PlotTwistStory.com and click on the Stories tab. There, Christina has shared some photos of the negative effects drinking has had on her life, including a photo of her falling after a concert while drunk, and another time when she had to go to the ER. Do you have a plot to a story you'd like to share? Email me. I'd love to hear it. My email is plottwiststory at gmail.com. You can also message me on Facebook or Instagram at plottwiststory. And if you haven't already done so, I'd really appreciate it if you rated and reviewed the podcast. It really helps me out and helps more people hear about the podcast. Until the next episode, remember... It's your story, so feel free to hit them with a plot twist whenever you want.